The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Welcome to the Roadwire Prospect Podcast. Glad to have you back with us. Clay Link alongside lead prospect writer James Anderson. Shout out to New Day, N-E-U-D-A-E, group out of Madison, Wisconsin, for once again providing the intro music this season. New track entitled Lion Kings. Really like that one. It's got a good Wu-Tang vibe to it. I'm always down for some Wu. And uh, before we dive into your 
your farm futures piece, James. Just want to say, draft kit content on the site, projections for over a thousand players and counting, outlooks for over fifteen hundred, and uh, what two two hundred plus prospect outlooks from from one James Anderson. Is that about the rough count? Yeah, right around there. And yeah, I mean, writing about more guys than that. I mean, there's going to be guys appearing in the the division. Uh, write-ups in terms of the team-by-team prospect rankings that we don't even have outlooks for on the site. So really mm-hmm. really going in-depth here over the next uh, five or six weeks. Yeah, it's going to be great. And, you know, throughout the editing process for the magazine, the draft kit, uh, rotowire.com slash radio, by the way, free 10-day trial to check out all of our projections, outlooks, rankings, cheat sheets, everything. Uh, I've discovered, you know, it's hard to write a good outlook. You know, I've, I've realized that for a while, but it definitely became apparent uh, during this process. You know, it's easy to to fire out a crappy outlook, but to write an actually good outlook is is a it's you know crafting it in a word count of you know 170 words. It's it's tough to to make good uh, outlooks. So I appreciate yours, which are, are very good, for, especially for these prospects. And you know, I think a lot of people can gain a lot from from reading those. Just going through the the top 400 now, top 400 prospects, and just going one by one, reading their outlooks, I think that'll that'll give you a good edge on your competition in long-term keeper leagues. The decision to upgrade to 400 total prospects and 20 by team, love that decision. How are you feeling about the the top 400 right now? Yeah, no, I'm I'm loving it too. It was, uh, it just kind of occurred to me during the off season, uh, you know, back in October, November. Uh, you know, I have these. I basically go out. I had it going out to you know close to four hundred on my own personal you know spreadsheets. So I kind of figured might as well just put that out there uh, for our subscribers. And you know, it's not obviously there are some leagues. You know, I get questions uh, about dynasty leagues where they might even be needing more than four hundred prospects. So it might not uh, cover everyone. But, you know, another part of the reason, not just for, like, those super deep leagues, but, you know, if you're in a league where 170, 200 prospects are rostered, you might not want to go strictly off of my top 200. And by going out to 400, then that kind of lets you get a a deeper look. And, like, maybe there's somebody I have ranked at, like, 260 that that you kind of do a little research on and and really start to to like. I mean, that that just kind of helps, you know, everyone sort of – realize who's all out there and who who they should be paying attention to yeah i think that's a, a big help and the, you're changing the format for these division prospect previews as well can you tell us about the change in this format yeah this is the one i'm i'm most excited about uh because i'm only writing about i'm only we're only listing guys that you need to know about for fantasy purposes mm-hmm. like in, in the past we would do a top 10 uh, team by team. And that's kind of how we had it displayed on the site too, is each, each team's top 10 prospects. And we still had, we, we actually expanded those to top 20 now with the, with the top 400, but uh, just for the purpose of these um, off season, you know, team by team rankings, it didn't make sense to me that I was writing or I would, I'd list like say 10 guys in a system like the Marlin system, where after today's trade where they sent, uh, Luis Castillo to the the Reds. They only have two guys now in that entire system that I I think are P 
people that fantasy owners should be aware of, whereas a team like the Braves, there's 26 guys that I think fantasy owners should be aware of. Mm-hmm. And this way, I'm, I'm, it, it's titled NL East, Prospe- or NL East 80 Prospects You Need to Know, and these are the 80 guys in that division that you should know, and it's, it's strictly uh, a meritocracy. We're not doing uh, 10 guys per team. We're doing as many guys as it takes to, to, to list all the guys that, that Dynasty League owners need to be aware of. Yeah, I like the, the change from the all things equal approach. I think this is really good because, yeah, even if you, you cut the line at 15, that'd kind of just be scratching the surface with a team like Atlanta who's looking like a, you know, a very strong farm system at this point. We'll start diving in. Again, rotowire.com slash free, so you can go through and uh, check out all these comments that you have in here, as well as likely assignments to begin the, the regular season, which I think is very helpful. Of course, Dansby Swanson leads the list here for the Braves. You, you tab him as a potential five-category contributor, even though the lack of plus power or plus speed keeps him outside the top 10 overall at the position entering 2017. But see a guy that, you know, in a 15-team mixed league, you kind of have pegged as an ideal middle infielder? Yeah, I think that's that's where he should be valued. Is not not a guy that you're looking to be your starting shortstop mm-hmm. in a 15 team mix league. Maybe it ends up like that if you if you really kind of wait on the position. But uh, yeah, eleventh eleventh prospect overall for me. So definitely a, a dynasty league building block. But there are younger guys uh, that haven't reached the big leagues that I. I prefer over him just because of that that lack of plus speed or plus power. I mean, I, I've seen some people say that he he offers, you know, might might get close to to plus speed or plus power. I don't I don't really see it. But uh, a guy who's going to hit in that two hole basically for the next ten years, maybe even longer <laughs> than that, you know, very much going to be the Braves. Derek Jeter, you know, not a not a very uh, super toolsy guy, but when you have that hit tool, you're going to play shortstop. You're going to hit at that spot in the the order. At least people are going to be able to bank on a high batting average and a ton of runs, especially once this team really gets good. Yeah, definitely one of the top rookie hitters for mixed leagues. I think for sure. Do you you have Benintendi uh, ahead of him in drafts? I have Benintendi ahead of him. I have Margot ahead of, ahead mm-hmm. of him. I have Alex Reyes ahead of him. But then he's he's right in that next group. Yeah, Margot is an interesting case. We we recently upped our projection for him, trying to get as as many shares as I can. I guess maybe the downside with with him or the, the uncertainty is maybe Travis Jankowski, but I just don't see. It. I I think, yeah. I mean, he we'll, we'll talk about him plenty when we get to the NL West. But I, I think we're gonna look back in May and the idea that. Alex Dickerson or Jankowski were going to somehow interrupt his ability to get playing time is going to look laughable in, in a you know month into the season. Back to the Atlanta system here. Ronald Acuna, number two in the system, according to your rankings here. You say he has a chance to be a 30-homer, 20-steal threat in the big leagues. Uh, an international July 2nd signing in 2014, I believe. He's kind of was kind of under the radar coming in, but you think the uh, the book is out on this kid? Yeah, he if, if he hadn't gotten hurt last year, uh, you'd look at his full season numbers at at low A in a, in his age eighteen year, and and he would be just 
getting blown up even more so than he is right now. On, on a per-plate appearance basis, I think he was the most impressive hitter at low A last year when you factor in age. Younger than guys like Elo Jimenez and Isan Diaz, uh, really producing already in terms of in terms of that power i I think uh you know i'm throwing a justin upton comp on him not the super super superstar justin upton that people thought we were going to get uh but the guy that we ended up getting which was still still very productive still a guy who you know plenty of years was was going in the top 20 top 30 returning definitely top 50 value for for his peak seasons and I definitely think you can expect that from Acuna down the road, and he's someone who could move fairly quickly. I think the how advanced he is for his level, going to high A, uh, wouldn't be surprised if he, he sniffs the majors towards the end of 2018. Interesting. Number three on the list here, number 40 in your overall prospect rankings, Kevin Maitan, likely going to head to the Gulf Coast League to begin the season. You know, doesn't have that proximity working in his favor, but you say here that in terms of ceiling, fantasy upside, really it's it's Maitan up there with a guy like Yoan Moncada. So that just goes to show, you know, the the potential payoff here in long term keeper leagues. But Maitan, what are the uncertainties with him? It's really I mean, well, first uncertainty is we haven't seen him play professionally yet. <clears throat> because he was part of last year's J2 class. Those guys don't debut until the following summer when he, you know, he'll probably get assigned to the Gulf Coast League in June. And so if you draft him, you know, in, in, in a dynasty league draft where guys like Nick Senzel, Corey Ray are getting drafted, if you draft Maitan, you're going to have to wait until June before he even, like, plays in a game. Uh while those other guys are going to start the year, obviously, in full-season leagues in April and, and start maybe increasing their value. You're going to have to wait a little bit on my time. But, you know, I ranked him at 40. He's just a really hard guy to rank because I could even see if I was sitting there in a draft. Could, that's a dude that I could I could see myself reaching a little bit on, even, even more than 40, just because, you know, how many superstars are really – in the minor leagues mm-hmm. right now. Uh, not a lot. He could be a plus-plus hitter with plus-plus power, probably moves from short to third base, but it's just – it wouldn't be surprising if, if he ends the year as a top-10 prospect, and at that point you could start making a case for him as a top-5 prospect. I mean, wow. it, it's just – the only real negative is, is the lead time and the fact that he hasn't played yet. So, I mean – Sure, he could he could totally bust, but nobody really. I haven't heard anyone really make an argument for for him having a, an offensive weakness. Yeah, he's kind of like the Vlad Guerrero Jr. that you can get a little bit later, maybe in the reserve round of a keeper league draft, and pay off similarly in an in season trade if the stock continues to tick up at this rate. Uh, well, really Vlad, interesting play. Vlad Guerrero Jr. is like that's an interesting comp in terms of just value because. Vigero Jr., I think I had ranked maybe in the 70s or 80s heading into last year. Now I have him as a, a top 15 prospect. That's kind of what we're talking about here. I'm getting a bit more aggressive on my time. I, I like him more now than I did Vlad Jr. a, a year ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this is one that could definitely pay off. If you're looking uh, 
to try to land someone who could be the future number one prospect in baseball, he's a he's a pretty good bet. Number four in the Atlanta system, Ozzy Albies, and you say here he could wind up end up spending more time in the big leagues than at AAA during his age twenty season. And the more I think about it, the more I'm becoming interested in him and in single season leagues. You know, more so ones with deeper benches, especially like NFBC draft champions, fifty round draft and hold types, because. Well, shortstop is has gotten deep, and middle infield generally is pretty deep. Second base isn't as deep as I think pe- some people think. It's really kind of top-heavy after the top 12 to 15 really starts to dry up. He's a guy I could see making a case to draft, you know, after some of those other, you know, scrubbier types like the Howie Kendricks start coming off the board. Take him and, and just play the waiting game. Could pay off big. Yeah, he's... Definitely not someone you should get aggressive about in single season leagues. He's more kind of a oh he's he's still out there yeah, yeah. okay because um, yeah I think you are gonna have to wait a couple months because uh, you know with with bringing in Sean Rodriguez they still have Jace Peterson those aren't like great players but uh, they're not gonna push Albies until they really think he's ready and until he's really kind of forced the issue and if that happens to also kind of work out with with him uh not being a super two guy then that that all the better so yeah i mean i I think he he'll probably be up in in june or july and even then you wonder where he's going to hit in that lineup might be down in the seven or eight spot because they have guys like inciarte and swanson at the top there uh but the steals should probably be i mean i think if he got if he gets up in like mid-june he could probably steal 15, 20 bases for you. And he's such an advanced hitter. It, it's not going to be much pop at all, especially in his early seasons. But he, I think he could hold his own and, and put up a 260, 270 average. It might, might be kind of like what we saw from Tim Anderson in the second half last year. Interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, with Sean Rodriguez coming in yeah, and Jace there, not a clear path to, to time right away. But I think they kind of want Rodriguez, you know, probably playing second against – left-handed pitching and then kind of just a floating utility role uh, against right-handers and Jace Peterson just not a big believer so yeah limited bench space not really a guy in drafts I want but if I have unlimited bench space like in draft champions uh, certainly have a lot of interest moving on Austin Riley 19 years old on on April 1st these these, these birth dates or ages are all as of 4117 55 on the overall top 400 Likely assignment, high A Florida. You say here, if the adjustments Riley made in the second year hold as he moves up the ranks, he has a chance to be a prototypical cleanup hitting corner infielder. What are the adjustments Riley made in the second half? Well, he he's a guy that I had in a dynasty league and ended up trading around the all-star break. Uh, and I kind of regret that now. Um He's got one of those swings where it's kind of it's just stiff. It's a lot of just bulk, you know. I mean, he's just a, a really, really strong dude. Just who, a, a beefy yeah. boy. I mean, it's not a it's not super fluid, you know. It's it's really muscular. Uh, but in the second half, he found a he found out how to cut down on his strikeouts. He was striking out above thirty percent of the time, I believe. Um in the first half and then he hit 289 348 581 with 17 home runs 
and just 61 strikeouts in his final 279 plate appearances with Rome. And that's, you know, as a teenager, that's, that's a lot of, <laughs> that's a lot of impact. <laughs> and, you know, to cut his strikeout rate from 32.6% to 21.8% in the second half, to me, you know, that, that's a great sign for a guy, his first full season league, you know, a- after, after the all-star break, he's really starting to figure out, you know, how to, how to be productive without, without striking out too much. If he can kind of keep that strikeout rate in a manageable range, the power is definitely there. So uh, this is a guy, I think we're, we're probably higher on him than most places just because some people also project him to end up moving to first base down the road. Uh, right now, like I've, I've made this comparison, like a guy moving from shortstop to second base doesn't necessarily hurt his fantasy value anymore because the two positions are, are kind of similar depth-wise. Similarly, with third base and first base, like I've been, I've been finding myself having a really hard time finding a first baseman I like after the first 120, 130 picks and drafts. Mm-hmm. It's just not that deep. So if a guy moves from third base to first base, in fantasy, that's not really going to hurt his value that much. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Yeah, scarcity doesn't really exist that much outside of catcher, uh, closer, and maybe second base. I think it's just to me, it's just catcher. Honestly, yeah, I like, guess so. I mean, second base, yeah. In sure. most mixed leagues, yeah, could be different in only the formats. But moving on here, Colby Allard. Before we get into him, I just want to say generally, just mention this because you you were tweeting about it. You found yourself pushing pushing pitching and a lot of these teenage arms down your prospect rankings this year right well not necessarily just not not necessarily like picking on the teenagers but more so if if it's a pitching prospect and like i don't think he can be really special then i just didn't rank him high at all like uh i don't have the exact total in front of me but I think it's much fewer pitchers ranked in the top 100 this year than past years. If you look at those guys that I do have in the top 100, especially guys that I have in the top 75 or so, they're guys who I really believe can be number two starters or better in the big leagues at at some point. So Mm -hmm. you're not going to see, you know, like an Aaron Blair type up there. Uh, Even a guy like Jose De Leon, who everybody likes, uh, obviously a very well-known name at this point, especially because of how often his name gets brought up in trade discussions. I have him ranked at 79th, and that's just because I, I think he's a number three, number four starter, and maybe more of a number four than a number three. And sure, he's big league ready, but that's just not the type of guy that wins the yeah, dynasty league. And mm-hmm. I'm going to rank a hitter at low a who who has upside over over a guy like that i'm going to rank a pitcher even at at low a or even a guy in rookie ball like uh forrest whitley or jason groom who i think have frontline upside i'm going to rank those guys over de leon who's ready just because i just don't think there's the upside there i think that's smart especially as we see uh you know offensive numbers surge uh, across the league but with that in mind you know you don't you don't have allard sky high but do you see potential for him to be more than number three? Yeah, I do, because he's he's left-handed. He's got a plus fastball, plus curveball, good command. He is still – I mean, he, he's only 6'1", but it's a, it's kind of a 
a loose, athletic, uh, sort of projectable frame for a 19-year-old. Uh, I think he could even – I think that fastball could even become a 65, 70-grade pitch. And if the changeup comes around as a above-average offering, then all of a sudden I think from the left side you are looking at a potential number two starter, especially uh, for fantasy purposes, a guy pitching in the NL East. That's that's a guy I think you can get pretty excited about. Uh, mm. Only concerns with him are, are some back issues that delayed his start to 2016. He's also dealt with those uh, before the draft, and obviously back issues with pitchers tend to creep back up at, at times. So that that's a concern. But other than that, I, I really yeah. And sure, maybe I think he can be a number two, but I'm also just very 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 confident in him being a number three as long as he can stay healthy. Nice. Max Freed, not too far behind on the overall list at 77, 7th in the Brave system, another lefty. Now, entering his age 23 season, but he did have Tommy John, cost him almost two years. You still see uh, top half of the rotation potential in Freed. Yeah, got to be careful here not to read too much into his age and level. He's on the 40-man now. I actually think they might have him skip high A and go straight to double A this year because – in part because, you know, they're kind of going to accelerate the clock on him just with him being on that 40-man and given his age, but also because that high A rotation is just going to be so loaded, there's not even really room for him. So uh, I think he starts at double A. He really, you know, obviously had some command issues that a lot of guys have when they come back from Tommy John, but the, the velocity was there. And then by year's end, he was firing on all cylinders. He had a Three two six ERA, one one four WHIP, and fifty two strikeouts in his final thirty eight and two thirds innings at low A. Really starting to kind of look the part towards the end of the year, and a guy who I think is getting a little underrated this off season. And I think a lot of that is because of his age, and maybe there's some prospect fatigue there too, because he's he's a guy that's been around for a while. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think you got to judge him by the stuff and judge him by you know what you think he'll be when he gets to the big leagues. And I, I still see easy mid-rotation upside there. Do you think since he's on the 40-man, he, he will debut this year? I don't think so. No? Because uh, I know they had a lot of veteran depth to that rotation, but he could be maybe an in-season replacement? I think... Spot starter? He's not a guy that you should be expecting to see this year, mm-hmm. especially if they do have him jump a full level. Uh to me, he could spend almost all the year at double-A and then the start of next year at triple-A, and then if he's looking ready it, sometime next summer, he might make a, a debut. I just think, you know, 40-man roster spot, they, their hands were kind of tied. I don't think they're going to let that dictate his development, though. Right on. Well, Tuki Toussaint, number eight on the list here, just outside your top 100 overall, but I think, correct me if I'm wrong here, that represents kind of a, a big jump from where he was last year because I just have this conception in my mind that you were a little lower on him than most. Are you starting to come around and thinking Toussaint could be a, a solid piece in, on a dynasty league team? Yeah, well, I mean, he sort of forced me to come around because he made improvements last year. He, he still walks too many guys, uh, but he's getting better in that department, especially, I mean, he had a, just, just like, freed uh in his second in the second half he was a a different pitcher um still has some of the best stuff in this entire system unlike a guy like sean newcomb 
who walks way too many guys. Toussaint's going to be 20. You know, he's going to turn 21 in June. Uh, still plenty of time for him to kind of straighten that out or at least get it into a manageable range. And then the fallback option is that he's maybe their closer in 2019 or 2020 if, if it doesn't work out. So I don't mind rostering guys. Like if, if you think a realistic floor for a guy is that he's going to be a pretty solid ninth inning guy, then <laughs> that's that's someone who you can kind of deal with, with some of the, the walks and, and the whip issues in the lower levels. By the way, we're going to be talking more about all of these prospects and the entire NL East on Rotowire Fantasy Sports today on Saturday, uh, noon to 2 East uh, Central time. So 1 to 3 Eastern. going to be breaking down the, the NL East, joined by Jason Collette. And who else did you book? Craig Goldstein? Uh, Craig Goldstein. Nice. Baseball Perspectives. So, yeah, it's going to be a should be a good show. quality show. Moving on here, Mike Soroka. Likely assignment high A Florida as a 19-year-old, 122nd on the overall rankings here. You say he doesn't have that front-line starter upside, but you feel good about that floor. Yeah, in terms of lower-level arms, he's as, as safe as anyone. Uh, pretty much just your your standard mid-rotation ceiling. Um, that's I, like, And that's the kind of package that, you know, probably will scare off, you know, just – dissuade some some keeper league owners but that could make him a nice bargain just because people aren't chasing that that ceiling yeah i have him ranked 122 overall that's that's kind of how he should be valued don't don't worry about rostering him in in shallower leagues where you're you're really kind of chasing upside but in deeper leagues you know he's someone you just kind of hold for a while you know they're gonna have to do some things in terms of trading guys eventually just because they have too many awesome young pitchers and only five rotation spots. He might be a guy that they consider moving at a certain point, but um, just a really safe arm. Uh, doesn't doesn't give up home runs. Really good at, at uh, generating weak contact. I, I like him quite a bit. Yeah, the top ten in this Brave system rounded out with five straight pitchers, Ian Anderson being number 10, 18-year-old, likely headed to low A Rome to begin the season. You have him right behind Soroka on the overall top 400 what is the the pitch mix looking like with Anderson? Uh, he's he's a guy that you know he's got a low nineties fastball. Another guy that very much like Soroka, not currently doesn't project as as much more in a mid rotation guy. Uh, might get a little overrated based on the fact that he went third overall in last year's draft. But I think most people are kind of aware of the reason for that being that they, they were able to save a bunch of money and, and then go get Joey Wentz later, who actually has more upside than Anderson, but a little bit less polish. Uh, Anderson, yeah, I mean, Anderson's basically Soroka, um, but just a little bit, you know, maybe maybe a bit more pedigree and maybe a bit more, um, like, I, I wouldn't be, I'd be, more surprised if Soroka ended up becoming a number two starter than Anderson, just because Anderson is a bit more projectable, but um, not a, not a bad consolation prize if you miss out on some of the more higher upside arms from last year's draft. Again, you went twenty six deep in the Atlanta farm system. Don't have time to get to all of them, but any guys that we haven't touched on yet, like Luis Gohara, who they recently acquired, that you want to uh, shout out here? Um, I. I'll actually just shout out uh, the next two guys, um, Christian Pash 
and Joey Wentz, 11 and 12 on this list. These are the guys that have, I mean, I guess Darian Cruz, another guy at 14. If you're looking for upside, you could realistically jump over Soroka and Anderson and go straight to, to Pash and Wentz and Cruz because those are the guys with the tools. Uh, Pash, a potential plus-plus runner with an above-average hit tool. Uh and enough size where you could you could realistically expect him to grow into double-digit homer pop. And he'll be starting at low-A Rome this year. This is basically your off-season to buy in on him at an affordable price because if he hits, then then he'll become uh, quite a quite a valuable piece. Wentz is a big 6'5", six, well, six athletic lefty, uh, big fastball, big curveball, really kind of checks all the boxes you look for in a – and a young lefty uh, just needs to kind of get that command under wraps and, and develop the changeup a little bit more. And, and I mean, he's he's got as much upside as any arm in this system. And then Darian Cruz, to me, is is Jorge Mateo basically, except two or three years further away from the big leagues. He's an 80 runner, doesn't really have a clear position. Could end up moving to center field. Could move to second base. Not really sure how much he's going to hit, but that speed should should carry him up the ladder. As you mentioned earlier, after the trade to acquire Dan Straley earlier this morning, which I was just thrilled about. I think the thought the Reds would, of course, uh, just rather have him eat innings and miss the chance to get any sort of value from him. I was shocked, but as you mentioned, after that trade, the Marlins now have two prospects worth knowing. Braxton Garrett and Thomas Jones. Uh, Braxton Garrett, outside of the top 100, 117, you have him here, 19-year-old. Uh, I know you were tweeting out lists of uh, teams with the fewest numbers of top prospects on, on your prospect rankings. Now the, the Marlins are dead last with two, correct? That is correct. Uh, Who are some of the others? Well, the Diamondbacks, actually, I still think the Diamondbacks have a worse system than the Marlins Ooh. just because... Marlins have Braxton Garrett. And the Diamondbacks have like Anthony Banda is like their Braxton Garrett. So, uh, I think you know the Diamondbacks obviously have a just awful system. Um, the Angels, the Tigers, uh, that pretty much around those are those are the bottom four for me. And then actually the Giants I think are the fifth worst system. Um, but the Marlins, really the Marlins and the Diamondbacks are sort of in in their own class there as bottom two angels, I think are, are clear bottom three. And then, uh, the tigers at, at a fourth worst system. And, and a thing I tough, love about tough that times. thing I love about that trade is like, you know, yeah. Castillo might end up only being a reliever, whatever. I mean, he's still, I think a guy that you, you obviously develop as a starter, but, uh, just the fact that they, were that that was a move they were looking to do tells yeah. you at least that they they know what they have to do now. Yeah, like, I mean to me that maybe remi- Dick Williams isn't. That reminded me of the Lucas so Harrell trade that the where the Braves basically turned a guy who really sucks like <laughs> had, you know had good numbers you could point to yeah. but like if you're just predict predicting what he's going to do going forward not good and you get a top two hundred prospect for him. I mean yeah, that's, that's, that's what you got to do. Yeah, I mean Dan Straley was a waiver acquisition last year and. Uh, fine, fine season with the Reds, but uh, peripherals suggest there is some regression coming, and just the perfect time because, yeah, the Reds have been burned far too often by holding on to guys. So it's good to see them reverse the trend a little bit. 
Moving on to a system that is interesting, the Mets. <laughs> Ahmed Rosario, number one in the system, 18 overall, likely headed to Las Vegas to begin the year where his numbers should look pretty excellent. They have Esdrubal Cabrera locked in right now, but you think Ahmed Rosario could take over this season? Yeah, it's it's an, a middle infield. and I mean, there's a reason why I have like guys like Gavin Ciccini not even ranked in the top ten in the system. It's going to be a tough middle infield to crack this year, especially. Uh, so, but I mean, Rosario's a clear shortstop of the future. So, if he's really forcing the issue, and they can justify, you know, taking away at bats from Walker or Cabrera, uh, or even, you know, maybe Wright's hurt and and Jose Reyes isn't performing. If they if they can find a way to squeeze Rosario into everyday at bats and he's forcing the issue, I think he could be up this summer, especially if they're competing, because he's going to be the best defensive option they have there. Uh, don't really see him being much worse of a hitter than Esdrubal Cabrera, even in his first uh, taste of the big leagues. So wouldn't bank on him being up in, in June or even July, but it wouldn't surprise me either. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a guy that I know he's owned. He's owned in staff too, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. But uh, Shout out to Nick Schlain, who's going to possibly trade me Rosario at some point. <laughs> yeah, you're in – I mean – if you're listening to this, you may know the story about your epic run in Staff Keeper League 2. Monster point total, 145, but yeah, you were without Kershaw for two months and you missed out by one roto point. I did lose did lose by one roto point in SKL 2 last year. Sold everything. Yeah, uh, sold everything. Really so you're went, entering with no minor league keepers this year, right? Well, I just traded for Dan Vogel. Oh, that's right. Minor leaguer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I just, just traded... A ton of minor league talent last year. Uh, Alex Reyes, Joey Gallo, Tim Anderson, all all traded. Um, a lot of those top picks dealt. Yep, and, uh, you know, came close. Came so you're going to be looking for just upside late. I've, I have Nomar Mazzara, Carlos Correa, and Chris Bryan all locked up um, long term. Solid core. So the goal is to just kind of retool – have a seller seller year. Give my give myself a chance in 2018. Yeah, I mean we're already since you've already established yourself as a seller, we've already been talking yeah. about hopefully get a Kershaw deal done early on in the year. But moving on here in the Mets system, Dominic Smith, indeed some of those doubles started turning into home runs this year. Uh, hopefully more to come at, at Las Vegas this year. 43 on the overall top 400, and he kind of like Rosario has. A guy in the path right now, not a big obstacle in Lucas Duda, and he's entering his final year. So you think come 2018, Smith is locked into a – maybe say mid-April 2018, Smith is locked in as a regular? Yeah, they might wait till till middle of the month to get that extra year control on him. But uh, they've been going one year at a time with him. I think they do that again this year, give him a full year at AAA. I wouldn't be surprised if the numbers he's putting up have Mets fans clamoring for him sometime this summer, but just doesn't seem like a very Mets thing to do to, to bring up uh, the first base prospect uh, when they don't really need to. <laughs> I think he could be kind of the, the pre-2016 version of Freddie Freeman. You know, not like last year Freddie Freeman was a, was a monster. A but bunch of that, homers. Just kind of that, you know, 285, 18 to 20, 
four home runs, uh, eighty hits, to yeah, ninety ribbies. It's it's you know cleanup or something. Fifth maybe in the the lineup. Um, Still very productive. A useful guy. Like yeah. I mean that that player gets taken in the top hundred and thirty picks or so in in drafts. Yeah, I'm with you. I I'm pretty optimistic about Smith and, and Staff One. Hopefully. Hopefully that pays off sooner rather than later. Robert Gesellman, number three here. Finally got some clarification on his pronunciation. I'd heard it silent G, Selman, Gelman. I guess it is just as it's as it's spelled out, Gesellman. But I, I like this arsenal of pitches, the heavy sinker, slider, a lot of ground balls, a lot of strikeouts. Overlooked on this team given uh, the, the rotation that they have, but a lot of injury concerns. And this is a guy who could be looking it up, you know, Close to a full season's worth of innings. Yeah, I think I think he's a a pretty clear number three starter. And if you just look at the that rotation, it's really hard to not see him getting twenty plus starts because Zach Wheeler. I mean, God knows what, what the hell he is at this point. Uh, Stephen Matz, Matt Harvey, these are guys that are gonna probably miss time. I think Matz is just. Too injury. Matt's is too big of an injury risk. Twenty-five innings in the book, <laughs> in the toilet. Yeah, you, no, you you can put him down for one hundred twenty innings, man. That's what you <laughs> okay. Yeah, like, that's it. Yeah, every single gotcha. year, one hundred twenty innings, <laughs> and they'll be pretty good innings. But yeah. you're not going to get more than that. Uh, Matt Harvey, who knows what to even expect with him? You know, Zach Wheeler. Maybe they even if he. I mean, who knows what he's going to be pitching like in, in spring. Maybe they even consider a move to the bullpen for him. Um, but Gazelman, to me, is a guy that should feel pretty safe about his chances of making that rotation out of mm-hmm. camp. And an absolute bargain in drafts right now. Let me look up yeah, his I, NFBC ADP. Real I did quick. a mock uh, last night, actually, uh, with Howard Bender, and he went – he was my last – he was my 25th round selection in a 12-team Yeah, I think in the draft champions I went – I'm doing went 25, 26, something like that. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. I, you I got some of these arms going ahead of him like, I don't know, Adam Conley, Trevor – I mean, Trevor Bowers, all right, but yeah, Lance Lynn, Luke Weaver. Yeah. yeah, same. Great, great uh, value right now. ton of helium probably – come the spring, especially if an injury does open up a spot for him. Desmond Lindsay, number four in the system, entering his age 20 season, likely headed to low A. This is a guy I don't know a ton about, but top 75 prospect. What do I need to know about Desmond Lindsay? Well, he's had a hard time staying healthy. Uh, Otherwise, I think you probably would know a lot more about him. But when he has been healthy, he shows a ton of tools, uh, you know, really could be a five-category contributor in fantasy. The only thing I don't like about him is that he's, he bats right-handed, but, you know, I think it could be, you know, 20, 25 homer and 20 steal type of profile in his in his early years, uh, high batting average. And it's almost a good thing that he's nice and far away from the big league so he doesn't have to get caught up in this complete dumpster fire that is the Mets outfield depth chart. <laughs> yeah. That thing is a mess. I I don't know where to start with that, but I don't want I don't want anything to do with any of those guys. No. Cespedes, Cespedes, but yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh Thomas Zapucky, sweet name. Uh sounds like he should be a red someday, but uh, we'll see about uh, that. He does have some bullpen potential. 
<laughs> That's what we're looking for <laughs> in Cincinnati. Uh, plus plus fastball, though you say potential plus plus curveball, but where's that third pitch going to come? Yeah, I mean the the changeups lagging a bit behind. Uh, command also something of an issue. He's another guy that's had some some back issues. He has a sort of sidearm delivery that just the ball kind of explodes on hitters. Uh, really, really tough guy to to square up, and a guy that can be a little effectively wild at times because of that deceptive delivery. Uh, definitely, definitely some bullpen risk here, but a guy who probably is going to put up monster numbers this year. Uh, just continue to climb list as long as he stays healthy and as long as that walk rate looks somewhat palatable. So maybe a guy who ends up in the bullpen, maybe a guy that ends up as like a number two starter. Um, just really hard to say, but just such an exciting arm that you got to gotta value him fairly heavily. Pushing past 40 minutes here, and we got two other teams to get to, but anybody else here that you want to mention from the Mets system? Uh, one guy that we're higher on than, than pretty much everywhere or that I'm higher on than pretty much everywhere is Andres Jimenez. And he, to me, is the rare uh, rookie-level uh, shortstop prospect who also has a ton of pedigree who's actually more of a, of a polish and floor kind of guy than, than a guy who you're really betting on the, the ceiling with. I think he's incredibly safe, even though he is he's ways from the big leagues. I think that... He's going to hit for a high average. He's going to stick at shortstop. I think down the road he's going to be seen as a top 10 real-life prospect kind of in the J.P. Crawford mold just because he's going to be so appealing to the, the people that are just valuing this for, for MLB value. Uh, not super toolsy, but someone that I think you should roster now, even if the, you're only planning to, to ship him off in a couple of years in a pennant hunt. Philly's system. you got got 20, 23 guys here checking in on the top – 400. How are you liking their rebuild process right now? I think they're they're doing a really solid job. Honestly, mm. I was thinking about it the other day. I think that it's between the Phillies and the Brewers to me for the fifth best system in baseball. I think uh, Dodgers, Padres, uh, Yankees, and who am I forgetting? Um, Reds? Um, See, the Reds are doing it wrong. Braves. Braves. Um, So, yeah, Yankees, Braves, Padres, Dodgers. I put ahead of the Brewers and Phillies right now, but then I think those two are are kind of duking it out for that number five spot. Um, They've done a lot. I mean, they've they've improved their team in every way you can, through the draft, internationally, uh, through trades. Mm -hmm. um, Just a really solid rebuild. Yeah, that's where you want to be, unlike the Reds, who are just kind of, uh, we were talking about this the other day, just kind of middle of the road in terms of farm system. When you're knee-deep in a rebuild, that's that's not what you want. But top prospect in the Philly system, J.P. Crawford, it's kind of held held that title down for several years now. Now 21, or I'm sorry, 22 entering opening day, 21 on the overall rankings. I've always been a little skeptical just because he doesn't have, you know, that, that power or speed I really want, but you're still confident that that hit tool will carry him to fantasy prominence. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think he's... He's kind of along the, the same lines as Dansby Swanson. Like, Dansby Swanson's going to start the year hitting number two for a big league team. He's already had some success against big league pitching, so you're going to rank him ahead of Crawford. But uh, a guy who's going to hit near the top of an order, play shortstop for at least the next decade, 
and and offer you high batting averages is is valuable. I mean, it it doesn't really matter if he's not helping that much in homers or steals, as long as he's getting those at bats, posting that high average, and never moving off a shortstop. That's pretty awesome. I think he's a guy kind of like Ozzy Albies, who in some of these single season drafts I'm seeing might be going a little bit too late because. He'll be up. At, I mean, yeah. he's he's kind of in that same boat as Albies, where they have guys ahead of him, but they're just not really guys. That are they're just guys, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, they're guys coming off decent years, not really Hernandez, but not terrible. But yeah, this is not a guy who should be blocked by by those two. Mickey Moniak, of course, the first overall pick in last year's draft, really safe uh, floor. But more so, you know, really appealing in real life because he's going to stick in center. And you say here, potential 65-grade hit tool plus speed, fringe average power. Do you think because he's number one, though he may be overvalued slightly in, in keeper leagues? Uh, I think everyone's just really smart, like, mm-hmm. when it comes to evaluating guys like this. Um, you know, maybe if, if you have, like, some – some new guys to dynasty leagues and aren't, aren't super used to playing in this format. They might go back and look at last year's draft and, and pick off of that. Like, but I think most people know that Moniac's behind guys like Nick Senzel, Corey Ray, uh, Ivan behind Kyle Lewis. But then, then right, right after that, I think you can feel pretty good about taking him. Uh, just, hmm. just a really safe prep hitter. Rice Hoskins here. First base prospect 54 on the overall rankings here you know we're, we're looking at hit at this guy and we you know we've got to have that pop to go with a, a decent hit tool if he's the bat's going to play at the major league level at first base do you think it will i think so i you know i wouldn't bet a lot of money on it i wouldn't definitely wouldn't put uh stake my entire reputation behind it but uh he's i like him i, I like him a lot more than dylan cousins and if you just want to scout the stats and and look at those two guys you might say well these guys are pretty similar I might even like Cousins a bit more but Hoskins doesn't really have platoons I mean he has them but they're not gonna force him into a platoon I don't think he also hit plenty on the road like Dylan Cousins really took advantage of reading last year Hoskins was was producing everywhere hitting lefties and righties so I think he has he's a better bet to to make it as a a regular, and if you just kind of look at the organizational depth chart, the Phillies have a ton of outfielders. Mm-hmm. Like they have, they have a ton of guys that are big league ready. They have a ton of guys at AAA. They have a ton of guys at AA. Uh, the only guy really standing in Hoskins' way is Tommy Joseph at first base. So if he, you know, if Joseph is just kind of a middling guy this year, then I think Hoskins is the guy in 2018. Nice. And, you know, unlike maybe Crawford and Albies, the guy I thought was – Maybe being a little overvalued in single-season deep league drafts. Roman Quinn, uh, I think now that they've signed Saunders, you know some of those expectations will be tempered a, a bit. But with speed at a premium, I think there's still a case in, in those deeper formats. But do you think he indeed heads to the minors to start the year? Yeah, and I'm glad that it's not – I'm glad that it got kind of straightened out mm-hmm. and we don't have to play the guessing game because now you can just totally wait and – if you look at your team and you're coming up on your final pick and you, you think you need some speed, he's a guy that you could uh, grab. But I, I just – he's a guy that probably needs more seasoning in the minors. Honestly, the biggest thing long-term for him is him just having a healthy season. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked with Eric Carabell about this in, in Arizona 
big Phillies fan. And like, as soon as I brought up Quinn's name, he's like, can't stay healthy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that's what the Phillies want to see. That's what your, his owner should want to see because the, the speed is obvious. I think he hits enough for the speed to play and it's just all about, can he stay on the field? Nick Williams seems to be kind of just stuck in a certain realm among the prospect rankings here. Not really falling significantly, but not really rising in terms of prospect stock. Where are you at with Nick Williams at this stage? Uh, I'm sad, honestly, that he... I guess he's fallen some, but not dramatically. He's a guy that I love. I love... I've loved him for a while, uh, but last year, especially uh, the final couple months of last year, were just not good, really, any way you slice it. Uh, his free swinging ways returned. You know, He made huge strides from 2014 to 2015, but really kind of reverted on those last year, especially in the second half, and then makeup concerns resurfaced, and those <laughs> have kind of always dogged him. I think he's a good kid. It's just, you know, responding the right way to coaching, even if it's coaching that you're not a fan of. Like, you got to be a pro. Uh, so I think that that's – it's all kind of in his – the ball's in his court. I think the tools really still say Adam Jones to me, but uh, Adam Jones has, like, 80 makeup. So, I mean, <laughs> that that's how Adam Jones is Adam Jones. So Williams has a long ways to go in that department. And before we move on from the Phillies, real quick, Jorge Alfaro sixth on the list here. I've seen him go pretty early. I know that catcher is just a nightmare, and finding that second catcher, uh, especially if you're just you know you waited and you just want to take a guy for a buck, he could have some appeal. But do you think he spends most of the year uh, in the minors? I think he's getting overdrafted. You know, I'd, I'd rather I'd rather roll the dice on someone like Andrew Susak or Blake Swihart or Hedges? something like that. Even head, yeah, well, no. hedges would go earlier yeah, than that. But, but like, yeah. yeah, I mean, if you're talking about guys that are just going super late, <laughs> there's guys that are better bets than Alfaro to have 400 plate appearances in the big leagues this year. And he, he's just, <clears throat> he, he was on the 40 man roster, uh, got a taste of the big leagues. That doesn't mean that he's ticketed to spend most of the year in the big leagues. He might not even spend. He might not even go back until September. I mean, they've they've Andrew Knapp, they've Cameron. I mean, Rupp. Rupp had a nice year. Yeah, like they're they're not in a rush to Alfaro's a guy that needs further development. Like well, they only brought him up last year because they needed a backup, and I right. think the minor league season was over. There's there's no point in having Alfaro in the big leagues if he's not playing four or five days a week because his contact issues are still there, and he needs to to work on those. I think he's. He might be kind of where a guy like Joey Gallo was a year ago, where people are getting a little excited, and it's like, no, he's he he's he could got, he could still struggle. Got at some work quite to a bit do. This year. Well, we'll move on again. I'm skipping a lot of these. Read them all for yourself. Uh, FarmFuturesRotoWire.com/slash/podcast for a free 10-day trial. No credit card required. No strings attached. Uh, and again, we'll be talking more about these prospects on Saturday's edition of Rotowire Fantasy Sports Today. But national system has been cleaned out a bit this offseason with uh, some, some trades. Of course, probably the most notable, the one to acquire Adam Eaton. Which other one am I? Oh, no, I'm sorry. I was thinking about the sale trade, but obviously uh, not related in any way. But give up three big names to, to get Adam Eaton. 
now only have nine guys in the top 400, starting with Victor Robles, who you have as a top five overall talent. He's 19 years old, but is this a guy that, you know, if you have him in keeper league, could return a massive haul this year? Or should? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you want to sell him in a in a dynasty league, then that's, that's going to be a nice haul for sure. Uh, I had a really tough debate. And it's one that I still kind of go back and forth on between whether Robles or Elo Jimenez should have been the number five prospect for us. Uh, ended up going with Robles just because he does have five category potential with the, with the speed. Uh, but, I mean, you could really realistically go either way there. Uh, he's exciting. And he's – I think the Adam Eaton trade is going to end up looking – like I, you and I are are much bigger fans of that trade than I think most people are, just because. You, you I like Adam Eaton. We realize quite honestly. we realize the value in a guy like Adam Eaton, and we realize the uncertainty with with pitching prospects, especially guys, especially those with, two with in those, particular. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and uh, the one thing everyone always talks about is like Adam Eaton. Well, he's his defense is awesome in a corner, but how is it in center field? Well, he's not going to play center field for yeah. much longer. Like Robles is going to be up, killing it in center field, and Eaton will be in, in a corner, uh, probably winning Gold Gloves. So that that's going to work out fine for them. Uh, huge hit tool, huge speed. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon's kind of the comp that I throw on his his like ultimate ceiling. But even if he's you know a, a little bit short of that, it's still a, a really really nice player. Juan Soto, number two in the system. 18-year-old. Another guy that I don't know as much about, but is the is the plus power here, the the calling card? And is it accompanied by a good enough hit tool? Well, it's it's plus power and a plus hit tool, and he's 18. And he, like everyone else from from that, uh, that international signing class was like licking their chops in the Dominican Summer League or, or something last year. I mean, he was putting up big numbers stateside uh he should be valued right up there with guys like you know i, I think in leagues that don't allow in-season pickups soto probably still available uh definitely available in a league like scl2 i think he's he's right up there with guys like nick senzel Corey ray hmm. uh ahead of a guy like mickey moniak for me so he he should be treated um you know very favorably in, in drafts because he's going to move quickly. He's got as much tools as any of those guys. Yeah, he's a guy that, you know, we see a lot of prospects go in the end game of the auction in that league, but he's a guy that, because of the age and lack of proximity, distance from the majors, probably slip into the reserve rounds, oh, yeah. make for a nice, nice first-round pick. Eric Fetty's a name we're familiar with, of course, now 24 years old. Uh, he's been hanging around prospect lists for a while. You still feel confident that he's a guy that, that could help fantasy teams? He's a guy that I'm worried a little bit about just because he, he does sort of fit that mold of a guy that gets overrated in the mm-hmm. prospect community, like that, that older pitcher who everyone's just like, oh, number three starter, number yeah. three starter. I've been saying that starter. for a couple of years now. And then it's like, well, he's 24. Like, when, when when's he going to start being a number three starter? <laughs> like, when's he going to even get to the big league? He's going to start the year at double A probably. Uh, but he still has the – plus fastball, plus slider, the command is the command is really kind of what holds him back a little bit, and the reason why you definitely can't pencil him in as a 
starter long term because it kind of comes and goes a little bit. Uh, but he is now three full years removed from Tommy John surgery, so I think that they will be pretty aggressive with him. And he actually kind of got helped a little bit by that Giolito Lopez trade because now there is a pretty clear path to him if something happens to one of those guys in that rotation. He's not hmm. waiting on multiple guys failing before he gets a shot. It's a big drop-off in the system after Fetty, 85th overall in the top 400. Then the next guy in the system, Luis Garcia, at 304. Uh, but then there are, what, six guys in the top or in the 300 to 400 it's, range. They cleaned out that system pretty yeah, good. definitely. Anybody here, you know, we talked about your, your approach of taking lottery ticket guys. If you were to take one of these guys, would it be Garcia? Because he's obviously the highest on this list, or do any of these other guys have a higher ceiling? Um, Garcia, you know, Garcia, Carter Keboom, Kaiboom, uh, Anderson Franco, they all have decently high ceilings. It's just uh, plenty, plenty of risk, um, long, long way away from the big leagues. Just not worth the wait. One, one guy that I want to talk, or actually two guys I want to talk about really quick, if we have uh, time that we skipped in the Philly system, who should be targets in deeper leagues this year, especially Sixto Sanchez, uh, 18-year-old. He he really kind of fits that mold of, you know, uh, Luis Urias, Anderson Espinosa type of guy who's undersized, but just has crazy stuff and, and is going to get, um, projected as a as a frontline arm eventually, uh, he's probably going to start the year short season Williamsport. But I think his name even sort of adds to awesome the name. appeal. I think like he he might get a little too hype just because <laughs> that that sweet name. But yeah, I mean he he's a guy that uh, touches the upper nineties. Just eighteen years old, and then uh, Daniel Brito, uh, second base prospect, only eighteen. Obviously, can be dangerous investing in second base prospects that are eighteen <laughs> years old, but uh, he can really hit. He should be available in most leagues. And, um, you know, if he can add a little bit of weight, I think he, he could really climb up lists this year. Interesting. Great stuff as always. We appreciate the insight, James. Prospect Podcast is now back every week, every Thursday. I think the the Roadwire Fantasy Baseball Podcast will be up five days a week in short order. So looking forward to another great season. Thanks, James. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you to the New Day Again, N-E-U-D-A-E if you want to check out more music from them. We'll be back with you next week. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR. R-A-Z-O-R. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. 
That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.